Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts is a brand new and unique store, boutique-styled retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products where Wicked and cannabis cultures come together for a rather unique atmosphere. They're located on 185 Worcester Street, right next to Subway and Hertz Rental Car, and their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and they can be contacted at 508-545-8105. They are closed on Sundays, and you can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. Oh, see, the Welcome back to another episode of Goth Girl Horror, the official Hack Slash podcast. I am your host, Dr. Chris, and joining me for this Wizard of Oz issue of Hack Slash, which is kind of funny is an artist from the Hackslash 15th Anniversary Special, Brian Crowley. Thank you for coming on the show and joining me for the podcast to co-host Brian. Yeah, you bet. Brian, why don't you talk to the audience who may not be familiar with who you are, a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, what you contributed to the 15th Anniversary Special. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually wrote a uh, follow-up, kind of a follow-up story to an issue that takes place a couple issues before this one um, called Little Children. And it's a little, it's kind of a little diner scene in um, the 15th anniversary uh, between Vlad and Kathy. Um, and I, I wrote that story, and it was uh, written by uh, Jules Rex, or she drawn by Jules Rex, written by me. And then I also drew a pinup for the 15th anniversary. And then I generally do, uh, I do uh, as a side project, my, um, I do a web comic called Hamster Age. What's Hamster Age about? Hempster Age is about the world's best superhero, and uh, she she uh, is the best superhero in the world. And then suddenly, uh, her childhood pet comes back as an eight foot tall, super powered uh, uh, hamster uh, guy, kind of a mutant guy. And uh, now she kind of the two of them have to kind of deal with each other and figure out what's going on and uh, how that came to be and what their relationship is and all that kind of stuff. Did you have a pet hamster growing up when you were a kid? Is that what uh, made you create a hamster superhero? Yeah, I did that. I, that, and I, uh, you know, I thought dogs and cats were pretty much uh, taken up uh, with, with in terms of animal representation. So, and I was a big Ninja Turtle fan, which I was like right in that right age for Ninja Turtles. So, there's a lot of that in the DNA. When are we going to have a sugar glider superhero? Where's our sugar glider superhero? Is, is there not one already? I feel like there's a there's got to be like a Marvel character of Sugar Glider or something. No, we we have the uh, we have the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which in my opinion is the worst Marvel comic book character next to the Great Lake Avengers. And yes, that is the hill I will die on. Come at me, bro, on Twitter. Thank you. Oh, I, I love Squirrel Girl. I oh, great. I love I love Erica Henderson who does the art. I love Ryan North. I think that's a, I think that's one of the best. Marvel books. Oh, God. No, yeah. I just, I got into an argument once with a uh, comic book store manager that told me that Squirrel Girl is more relevant and more important to Marvel Comics today than the Fantastic Four ever could be. And I was like, you need to, like, you, 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 you are despicably disgusting to me. Without the Fantastic Four, we wouldn't have yeah. Marvel Comics today. I mean, there's, but, but, but what he said is true. She. Well, what he, I mean, what he said is true in terms of relevance to today. 
versus the Fantastic Four, which was very set in the space race, right? I mean, it actually, I would say that now, like we're, what we're in right now, man, wouldn't it be great to have a Reed Richards, though, solving this virus problem <laughs> on, the, on the flip side of it, you know? Well, we have that Fantastic Four movie that's on the slate for Marvel films, and everyone's like, oh, this is the end of Marvel Comics, and I'm like, no, it's not. Marvel is going to continue making these movies once this uh, virus thing is over. They already got two in the can and a Disney Plus show in post-production right now. So Marvel's going to be fine, trust me. (laughs) I I don't think that's true. I I actually think that, that entertainment itself is going to be in a lot of trouble for a while. Uh, think about, because think about this. If you think about movies and TV shows uh, and how they're made, I don't think it's the end of entertainment, though. I think it's gonna. I think it's going to be on hold for a while. And what we're gonna see, what, what we're gonna see, we're gonna see what happens. Out of this. I think it's, but I, but I do think if you think about large groups having to gather, that's how you make movies. That's how you make TV shows. I think it's gonna be very similar to 2007, 2008's writer strike which put Hollywood on hold for, like, three months. Oh, no, I don't, I, I don't agree at all. I think that this is going to be way worse. I, do, I don't think it's the end of entertainment, no, but I think we're going to see stuff get pushed back, like, a year or two years. Shockingly, though, Kickstarters are still going on. There's a number of Kickstarters still uh, running, and they said they don't plan on stopping them because those Kickstarters are being done from people's houses that have the ability to ship the uh, books off to... Uh, places that they can get printed at and then get them back to them uh, under safe conditions. So that's good. Interesting. Uh, ho- hopefully, I mean, hopefully, if they're, it depends. If they're printing out of China, that might be different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, China doesn't have the virus. They well, they have it, but they don't. They're not reporting any as of today. The third day in a row, they have zero new reports. So that's good. Yeah, m- maybe, but they they just said the virus lives on cardboard and lives on surfaces. Oh, I've so. Uh, and if you if you are getting your books printed, and or, or have already had your books printed and sent off to a printer uh, in China, which is where the majority, the other majority is in like Canada, and I think I think sometimes so you know maybe you know maybe maybe there's also they've also taken better precautions. Um, I I could see. I would not want to have a Kickstarter running right now. I, I do not envy anybody who has a Kickstarter running. Uh, uh, two big independent people have Kickstarters going on right now. Broadsword Comics, which is Terror Witch of the Black Rose with Jim Valiant and Holly Golightly, and Brian Polito, creator of Lady Death. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, Broad, Broadsword always does pretty well with their Kickstarters. Right, and they're doing a Kickstarter that's going to reprint the first five issues of... Uh, Tarot for their 20th anniversary. I mean, they they went online talking about their 20th anniversary. Unfortunately, has been interrupted. Their 20th anniversary tour has been interrupted by the virus. But they want their fans to know that their 20th anniversary for their character, that is insanely popular in the independent community, will go on. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because I believe because I remember I had actually chatted with Holly a while ago about um, just about how she was printing. I think she was printing in the U.S. So, um, again, uh, with virus concerns, that would be, that would be interesting. So I, I, I hope, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure the printers are taking, I hope that they're taking precautions. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe wholeheartedly that precautions are going to be uh, at the forefront of everything going forward from, go, from this point on. 
But let's get right into the issue of The Wizard of Oz and Hackslash Over the Rainbow. The issue was published July 1st, 2008 by Devil's Due Press. The plot synopsis for the issue is while trying to solve a string of murders in Texas connected to a remake of The Wizard of Oz, Cassie is being targeted by many foes. Unaware, her friend Georgia has gotten herself into trouble trying to help Cassie and Vlad and nearly getting herself killed by a crazed tin man after several other people on the set of The Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz remake are murdered. Some Neff Lords of Hell continue to plague Pooch, and the police think Muffy's visions that Cassie is the most dangerous serial killer alive has put Cassie and Vlad in the police sights. Meanwhile, her father, Jack Hack, who now goes by the name Gordon Stewart, <laughs> is meeting with Dr. Lazarus, who is an alias for, the, for H.P. Lovecraft's reanimator, Dr. Herbert West. Cassie gives Georgia, uh, sorry, Cassie saves Georgia and tells her to stay safe, as her life is already filled with so many deaths and she can't lose her too. There's two covers to this, one of which is worth a lot of money on eBay. Which cover do you have? Um, but I think the one that's probably worth a lot on eBay, I think, is a Jenny Frizen cover, probably. Correct. Right? Yeah, it's Jenny Frizen. Yeah. It says uh, Hack and Slash of Oz. It has a uh, Dorothy-dressed uh, Cassie with yeah. a tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, Dorothy costume on, a demented-looking uh, blue monkey, and a... I'm assuming that's supposed to be the wizard. Uh, I would assume so. I think that might actually be, I don't know, but that might have been one of her first, you know, big covers, too. Yes. In fact, uh, she's an insanely popular artist that at one time, I didn't even know I had an original piece of artwork by her, and somebody was going to buy it from me for uh, $25 until someone stopped me from selling it and told me, do you know who that is? And I was like, no. And they said that that's Jenny Frisna. She's become an immensely popular artist and hold on to that. So I have this rolled up original sketch of uh, her. It's a woman like wiping her mouth off. Uh, I guess I think she's a vampire. Uh, I don't remember where I got the sketch from, but it must have been one of her early appearances because it says 2007 on the uh, art print. It's not a print. Sorry, it's an original sketch. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I, I just pulled up on Google the the hack flash cover. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember, I remember this this uh, early cover. The main cover has uh, Cassie holding a hammer on a yellow brick road of skulls with a Toto wearing Vlad's mask and a demented looking scarecrow, uh, lion, and uh, Tin Man. The, yeah, I think that's by Tim. It looks like it's a, it's a Tim did the art, uh, story for this. Emily Stone did the artwork. Val Staples did the colors. Letters by Crank and designed by Sean K. Dove with edits by Mike Sullivan. And we open up with a, um, I want to say scantily clad Dorothy, but she's definitely wearing a much shorter looking Dorothy costume than when we saw the, the actress who played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. I first saw The Wizard of Oz probably in elementary school. Starring Judy Garland. In fact, uh, I believe Renee Zellweger last year won the Academy Award for playing Judy Garland in the movie Judy. Correct? I think so. I don't. I don't think I saw that, but I think I think you're right about that. Um, and yeah, I described this Dorothy as pretty scantily clad. I almost thought they were making a porno. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely has that. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe to it. But they're remaking the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which is very funny. Um, I was first introduced to The Wizard of Oz probably like everybody in elementary school. I don't know if they're still showing The Wizard of Oz these days in elementary school. I don't even know if the kids are even reading The Wizard of Oz. My son has said he saw The Wizard of Oz, but he's never read the books, and he doesn't remember ever having to read the books by L. Frank Baum. Did you ever read the books? 
Uh, yeah, I I read it and I and I remember in like uh, I remember yeah I remember reading them and I remember seeing Return to Oz the movie that has Faruja Balk in it because um, there's the sequel and I also saw the, oh, the right. yeah they used to play they used to play the the t- the movie on TV TBS all the time. So oh my god, all the time. Okay, so that's Faruja Balk from The Craft as young Dorothy. Yeah. Return to Oz, which is, I believe is a Disney movie. It is it a Disney movie. It's real good. Yeah, and in yeah, fact, it's, it's on Disney+. Really, Plus. Yeah, it's real, real good. If you have Disney+, Plus, you can watch The Return of Oz. In fact, a lot of people consider it to be... Uh, it's not a horror movie, but horror fans will talk about it because there are some freaky things in that movie, like the guys who have the rolls, the wheels for hands and feet. Yeah, I mean, that's closer to the actual books. Than the than the the Judy Garland movie. But I didn't realize that was Farusa Balk from uh, the Craft. That's interesting. I forget who else is in that, but yeah, there's and I think I think Jim I think Jim Henson did stuff. I I believe you're 100 percent correct, and this and that movie is supposed to be a direct sequel to The Wizard of Oz as well. Yeah. With Dorothy having been in like a mental institute or something, right? My uh, God, yeah, it has been a uh, long time since I've yeah. watched that movie. Now here's an interesting piece of trivia. What was the first comic book that was a team-up between the two major comic book publishers. I do know this one, actually. It's, uh, it, that is The Wizard of Oz. Correct. A lot of people say Batman versus... Uh, I'm sorry. A lot of people say Spider-Man versus Superman, but no, it's actually The Wizard of Oz uh, comic book. They co-collaborated on it. I think the only way I knew about that was, I think, in the um, in the trade paperback that they did of... Spider-Man meets Superman, they mention that in the, like, forward to that book. They do. It's actually the last page of the trade paperback, the original, that original trade paperback, which I do own a copy of as well, by the way. Uh, I have it signed by Walter and Louise Simonson. In the back of it, there's just the one-page ad for The Wizard of Oz. They couldn't reprint The Wizard of Oz for rights reasons that neither Marvel or DC even have right now. So, uh, but that's funny, because years later, Marvel Comics would publish all the Wizard of Oz comic books based on the original novels. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that the Mar- did Marvel uh, I think the Marvel um, comics that they just did recently. Scotty Young, who who did a couple of, who did actually a little bit of stuff in Hack Slash, um, also had done a bunch of the Marvel Wizard of Oz stuff too. He did. That's that's a big uh, that was a big thing for him to do. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a number of people who were in the Return to Oz. Uh, the only one that really springs out at me in my face is Tim Rose, Brian Henson, who's Jim Henson's son and would go on to direct a lot of movies after his father's passing, uh, Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie, best known as playing Carrie's mother in Carrie. Oh, okay. And she was aunt, She was the uh, the new Auntie M. Okay, that's interesting. I did not... Uh, yeah, I, I was like looking at some of these actors and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are except, I guess, her and, her and Faruja Balk. And then, of course, in the original Wizard of Oz, we had like Judy Garland, Frank Morgan, Ray Bulger, Burt Lahr, Jack Haley, Billy Burke, uh, Margaret Hamilton, of course. I love Margaret Hamilton in one other film because I only know her from two movies. One, The Wizard of Oz, but two, she was in the original 13 Ghosts. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, my God. It's such a great black and white little horror movie about a family that moves into a house that has 13 ghosts. Uh, but we only ever see five of the ghosts in the movie. But uh, she is the innkeeper, or the, or the maid of the house, and the little boy is constantly telling his parents that, oh my god, mommy, that woman's a witch. She acts like a witch. She looks like a witch. 
And of course, because she was the original Wicked Witch of the West. And a lot of people also remember her from appearing on the, uh, uh, the, uh, oh God, uh, it's now escaping me, Fred Rogers show, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. She dressed up as a witch on that, or he dressed up as a witch on that in the Halloween episode. Oh, that's funny. I didn't. I don't think I was aware of that at all. Yeah, and in fact, in that movie, he talks about how you should never perceive somebody by the way they dress, and that everybody is human. We're all the, we're all the same, no matter how we dress. And just because a woman dresses like a witch in a scary movie doesn't mean that she's a witch in real life. Right. Yeah. Again, one uh, of those lessons that Mister Rogers was very famous for. You know, Mister Rogers is like incredibly missed in today's life. Let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, you know, this uh, reminds me also just I was looking at the IMDB for the Return to Oz stuff and it kind of reminds me of the if you ever saw Captain EO it reminds me of how that is all kind of structured as a Wizard of Oz thing um, too yeah it was the, the Michael Jackson Francis Ford Coppola thing Moving on with the issue, because uh, we're focusing a lot on The Wizard of Oz. Moving on with the issue. So we find out that it's a remake of The Wizard of Oz, and it's being done with um, a rather unique kind of crew filled with a lot of different uh, midgets, as they're called, in it, uh, which is a reflection on Ca- something Cassie wished for back in Hack Slash Euthanized. Yeah, I, that phrase, phrase sure hasn't aged well. <laughs> no. And so we're in the past tense in the beginning of the issue, but when you flip the page, we have Georgia running with a friend of hers as they're being stalked by somebody who's killed several of the cast members of the Wizard of Oz movie. And Georgia's trying to reach Cassie because, as she puts it to her friend, she's like Buffy or something, which is a joke on the fact that if you flip the back of the cover... It, well, not this issue, but in several other issues, it says if uh, Buffy was created by uh, Rob Zombie, but not Joss Whedon. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like what I would think Cassie is like. Yeah, I mean that's that. I mean, I remember when in the Devil's Due days when when I was working there, that oftentimes people would kind of think that Cassie was modeled off of Buffy, when I don't think that was the case at all. Cassie and Vlad are on I-35 near Temple, Texas, and Cassie lets one rip, and Vlad puts on his gas mask. We switch over to a dream sequence immediately afterwards, and a woman and a guy are about to get it on on the beach, and the guy is murdered by a cross, and we think it's the, uh, the, the serial killer, the priest, but it's in fact Cassie, and then it's Muffy waking up and telling the police that she believes Cassie is the greatest serial killer the world has ever known. Oh, you know, that's funny. I, uh, in reading it, I didn't initially realize it was a dream sequence. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty funny. Uh, for a second there, again, I thought it was the, uh, the, 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 the priest killer, the, sinner, the guy who was like, yeah. Sinner, fornicator, die! Yeah, same. Cassie, uh, we, we have a one-page little thing about uh, Pooch, and Chris and Lisa arguing about what to do with Pooch, and uh, uh, Lisa threatens to withhold sex from Chris. Dun-dun-dun. Cassie and Vlad show up in Texas, and they begin to investigate the, 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 crime, the, the crime scene as uh, Georgia and her friend are trying to uh, hide out from the serial killer, and the guy who plays the uh, Scarecrow gets his head blown up by what looks like a saw-like device. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty great gore there. Pretty uh, well done there. 
Yeah, Emily Stone definitely does not shy away from the uh, the gore. Her artwork definitely has this very childlike innocence to it, I think. Her pencils are very soft, and it's just very funny to see it portrayed in such a vulgar, violent manner. Yeah, I mean, I, I still maintain that I think she's one of the best artists that have ever done anything on, on Hackslash. I mean, she's just incredible. The girl that is with Georgia is basically saying that the reason why everyone's getting killed is because she jilted somebody that was into her, but she wasn't into him. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> women, do, make, women make men do crazy things. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, that's a, it's a, uh, there you go, toxic masculinity right there. Exactly. I, 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 I thought there was some supernatural means behind it, but then I then again, I haven't read these issues since I first bought them years ago. So rereading it, I was like, what? That's it? He's just pissed that she wasn't into him? Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty... The, the, um, yeah, because you... Cause, and it's pretty clever, actually. I have to say it's really clever the way they've kind of framed it because you see the... Um, the way you don't see the underneath of the mask and you don't see the way that, that it's uh, a person in that suit, right? And then what's great is that slowly you start to see the human underneath the suit, and that kind of, like, is a great, it's a great reveal. The, um, just by the way, looking up Jenny Frizna, uh, fr- fr- uh, fr- covers, uh, she also did one for Hack Slash Vampirella, not not a big hot book on eBay, but the uh, my first maniac Jenny Frizon cover goes for anywhere from thirty to sixty dollars. Oh, that's awesome! How, yeah, the, I'm, and I'm sure the the Wizard of Oz one's got to be got to be nuts. Yeah, it's sixty an average sixty dollar book. I've seen it go higher sometimes, oh, but she's about a sixty dollar book for that one. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we switch over to... Okay, so here's the thing that we've brought up several times between me and Ellie Christina, who is the current uh, subbing co-host for uh, Goth Girl Horror, uh, all the way from Australia. Uh, we've talked about this. They jump around a lot in these last few issues with the multiple plot lines. It's not just Cassie and Vlad. It's Cassie and Vlad. It's Chris and Lisa. It's, it's Jack Hack. It's Muffy. It's Pooch. It's whoever else they have for characters. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm curious. What are you? What, what are your guys' thoughts on that? On what? How much Tim jumps around like it's an episode of Game of Thrones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tim should sue Game of Thrones, uh, HBO, for uh, stealing his idea. I'm, I'm sure they did that. I've not read the Game of Thrones novels. They're so dense and so thick. I just don't have time to read them. But I was told that's exactly what happened in the novels as well. It's an interesting narrative structure that I've not ever brought up to Tim. Maybe I will next time he comes on the show to be like, so what was with the massive jumping around for like one page at a time and see what his explanation is? I think, I mean, I, I get it. Like, right. It's like part of the idea and the, the way that people do that in storytelling is like, you want to have other plots moving forward. And, and so you create, and you also like want to give your characters space to like be able to breathe so that, that, that way you're able to come back to those characters. So I get that. It, it makes sense. Um, I think that, I think, you know, when I was, reading through this i think the only space where i was like a little confused by it was the thing that i said earlier where i didn't i didn't, I didn't realize i don't think i realized it was a dream sequence i legitimately thought when i was reading through it fast i think i thought that um uh what's her face you said that what, the blonde girl the the lori it's lori right the killer the one that that's uh anyway i thought it was her just killing somebody and pretending to be Cassie was what I interpreted that as, that versus being a, a dream. But, um, 
yeah. So we come back to Jack Hack, who's going by the name Gordon Stewart, and that is actually the name of the director of the Reanimator first movie and the writer Stuart Gordon, who has been on my radio show, and he's also directed other things such as um, Honey, I uh, blew up. He was the writer of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV series. Oh, I don't think I knew that. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, he was actually going to direct that until Disney found out about his other work and was like, uh, no. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, but he also directed From Beyond, The Dolls, and Castle Freaks, as well as Dagon, which is one of my favorite H.P. Lovecraft stories based on the shadows over Innsmouth. I love the, uh, the, the, um, Jeffrey, to- Jeffrey Toombs, uh, or, or, or am I saying his name? Yeah. Uh, at the, at the end. Uh, Jeffrey the, Combs. Uh, Jeffrey Combs, there we go. Combs. Uh, yeah, yeah, Combs. Uh, Combs? Combs, Combs, like combing your hair. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, uh, he looks pretty awesome at the end uh, there. And uh, although I was looking, uh, you know, I was looking at the tie, and I'm like, wow, that's, I don't think I've ever seen a tie tied like that. But that, but that, that might, I, I'm, so that was a little curious to me. But everything else, is, is it's real good. Um, I wonder if he's called Dr. Lazarus because Lazarus, like Lazarus Pitt, Lazarus was a, uh, is like Greek mythology, right? He brings uh, people back from the dead. Uh, wait, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that would make sense. Mr. Lazarus, yeah. Um, well, Lazarus is resurrection, right? Lazarus of, of Bethany, yes. It's uh, Greek Orthodox. Jesus brought him back to life. <laughs> uh, right. It's in John 11 uh, of the Bible. Okay, so this is our first full picture of Dr. West. Now, you were working at Devil's Due Press at the time this issue was out, or no? I think it, I, I, it looks like I had, had stopped because uh, Crank lettered this. So I probably, uh, had, I probably was, was done at the time that this came out. But, but yeah, I was, but I was, I was still in the, in the area uh, of it. There was some controversy using uh, this version of Herbert West, correct? No, it was not controversy. It was more that there was, uh, and I, I think this is, I, I don't know, uh, I don't really fully remember the deal, but I think that uh, Dynamite had done something, there was something with Dynamite getting rights to, to something about Reanimator, and then there being another conversation around the rights to use uh, Reanimator. So there was just kind of a, um, a little bit of a kerfuffle there, but I think it ended up all working out in the end. I think that that um, however however it all worked out, I think Dynamite and and um, and uh, the Hack Flash crew all just everything all worked out in the end, and they they came to an agreement with everything. I just remembered that they couldn't specifically put the book on the shelf, and I had to have it ordered um, privately. Oh really? Yeah, yeah I, I remember my comic book store telling me I they they. If I wanted the issue, I better put the order in now because they got the memo of the whole diamond thing that you just explained, and they couldn't put it on the shelf. So uh, I think that also may have ended up having me subscribe to Hackslash at that point because the book had always been available on the shelf. Um, and then at that point, I decided to just put it in my subscription box whenever it got published. At the time, it was an ongoing, but you know, at some point, it wasn't an ongoing, and then it was an ongoing again, and then it's not an ongoing again. It's it's miniseries one shots and actually on hiatus. Yeah, I think, so now I think I'm, my memory's jogging a little bit. I think there was just a, a rights screw-up, basically. I think, I think there was a, 
there were conversation. My my understanding, and I might be I, I might be wrong about this, but my understanding was there was a, a there was like some kind of an agreement to go forward with it, and then there was somebody else had like had a, a the rights to some other piece of it, and um and then and then it all it all and then in the end they they figured it out, and it's all I think that it's all, it's all good now. Um, it's similar to I believe and I might be wrong. Uh, Dynamite has like the rights to like Army of Darkness or Evil Dead or or maybe they have the rights to Army of Darkness but not Evil Dead and they draw you know they have Ash but they don't quite they're not supposed to really I don't think they have the rights to like Bruce Campbell's likeness and you know that, it's interesting how all those different things are kind of you don't think of when you think of how the whole of a of a um, of a thing is is made right right. Uh, and then Cassie, after she's done scolding Georgia, gives her a hug and tells her she can't lose her. And that's how the uh, issue ends. There's no letter page. Um, the two hack slash ads in the back say, A wallowing, rocking compendium of sexed-up ultra gore, the Onion AV Club. I've never heard of the Onion AV Club. I'm not going to look them up. Uh, but the cover uh, for the next issue is by, or one of the covers for the next issue is by Joe Jusko. It's fantastic. And on the back is the Suicide Girl Annual, which will be the next episode of Goth Girl Horror is me and Ro Lauren, uh, a future Suicide Girl, in fact, however, was put on hold due to the virus, um, is going to be on the show with me to discuss the Hack Slash Annual with Suicide Girls. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, is really awesome, by the way. I, I would I would recommend checking them out. They do a lot of they have a lot of cool. They have a lot of what, Brian? You broke up. Oh, they have a lot of cool stuff on the AV Club. Uh, they have a lot of good movie reviews and recommendations and all kinds of all kinds of stuff there. The ads in the issue are pretty much everything that we've already discussed, or we will discuss in a future episode. So I don't need to really go over them. Um, and that is it. There's an, uh, there's an ad for the first four volumes of Hackslash that you could pick up. This is before it was an omnibus. Uh, so if you come back here in two weeks, we will have the Hackslash annual issue, again, set a little bit in the future for when we're recording this. So I don't know what the, uh, the state of the planet Earth will be like at that, at that point. But uh, <laughs> uh, after that, we'll re- re- be returning to Hackslash with Ellie Christina to begin part one of the Reanimator trilogy where Cassie finds her father. Uh, like to thank Brian for coming on the show with me to discuss Hackslash issue number 14 and talk a little bit about his career as a, a, uh, involved with Devil's Due Press and everything else he's got going on. Uh, thanks. Yeah, uh, you know, hopefully this inspires a lot of horror. Uh, you know, everything with the virus inspires a lot of good horror out of this. If you know who Charles Band is, he's already got coronavirus zombies coming out. Oh, nice. There you go. He literally filmed it in two weeks. But Charles Band is kind of like the new Lloyd Kaufman. I am shocked there's not a trauma movie already in development either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for Rule 42 or Rule 52, whatever it is, that the porno industry will make one. Yeah, I mean, that's... They're going to... That, that's going to be a whole lot of interesting stuff, too. Yeah. Oh, you need your temperature taken? Here, let me help you with your temperature. Zip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, guys in hazmat suits banging porno chicks. I guarantee that will be in the, the porno coronavirus movie. Yeah, probably. Thank you, everyone, for checking out Goth Girl Horror. Go and find uh, us on Twitter at Goth Girl Horror and all the previous episodes on RadioHorror.com. And you can find Brian at... Uh, I'm uh, at Brian J. Crowley, and you can go to uh, hamsterage.com. 
Again, come back in two weeks for for uh, I'm sorry, come back in two weeks for the Hack Slash Suicide Girls Annual here on Goth Girl Horror. Murderous monsters don't stand a chance 